0: Test, test, test. So anyway, what did I, and then I bought some coconut water, and then I parked my car, and then I walked down, and I walked across the street. I was carrying a bag. I had to switch hands because the bag was so heavy. And then I crossed the street, and then I took a right, put the bag down. Okay. So who's tired from the, the week? Who's, who's ready to fall asleep right away? Do you go straight into sleep mode, or we could warm it up? But I think we'll go straight straight into sleep mode. Okay. Let's see. There's somebody outside, though. It's eight o'clock. All right. I'm gonna get started. Thank you, everybody, for coming out on a Thursday night on a work week. I think it's a long weekend, too. How's it, uh, let's just do a test. Good evening. Good evening. How's that sound, everybody? Is there enough creaky and dull sitting there? Okay. Uh, I want to thank uh, Patricia and everyone at Phoenix for hosting us. Thank you so much. Uh, if you're looking for a co-working space, this is an amazing space. Uh, and there's, like, studios in the back and everything. Uh, but, yeah, let's just, uh, let's just get into it. Everybody get comfortable. I'll try to get comfortable. Um, I don't have the theme music, though. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the podcaster who's going to be keeping time on a pink rubber clock. Uh, And believe me, some part of my brain will be worrying about it. But the rest of me will be here trying to keep that part of my brain, and the rest of you calm because it's time first sleep with me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. and we do it with a bedtime story. Oh wait should I start with the credits or should uh, what well, we do it with a bedtime story? Tonight'll be a live bedtime story, and I'll be here in your ears in a different way than normal uh, for some of you. and maybe this is your first time listening uh sleep with me is made possible by the hard work of uh, chris posty posterson from sounds like an earful studios carl w they both edit episodes chris does our theme music scotty and jennifer and kenny are on our honor on our artwork uh what, who else eric and the team at astound are on our website jonathan mann is our uh mystery bard he's on our lullabies uh we have we have a listener facebook group i want to thank the moderators uh julian, jennifer, stacy and sarah, laura and keith and i think that's it let's get on with the show uh, i think that's how the podcast actually starts uh hey are you up all night tossing turning mind racing trouble getting to sleep trouble staying asleep well welcome this is sleep with me the podcast that puts you To sleep, we do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake or whatever's on your mind. It could be thoughts about the day. It could be thoughts about sixth grade. It could be thoughts about next week. It could be feelings, physical sensations. Whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night, across this uh, small, comfortable conference room. And I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous dialogue, uh, get mixed up, and uh, missteps, a lot of us, extra words, Confusion, uh, all to 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 keep you company, and to be your friend, uh, to be a distraction. And a lot of times, uh, people wonder, well, what made you want to start a sleep podcast? Uh, what, why tell bedtime stories to adults? Is, uh you know, there's all these people out there. There's all these statistics every day. You know, one out of five Americans doesn't sleep enough and we hear all these reports on the news or wherever we consume (laughs) copious amounts of articles unnecessarily and there's all these words about you know too much information about the impact of uh, sleeplessness on us and then a lot of the solutions at least for me never seem to work uh but still like why does this podcast help anybody why does it work and uh I think it works, I think explaining it maybe is a story in itself, and it's not the most bedtime of stories, but we'll get to the bedtime story. But, you know, once upon a time, there was a little boy named Andy, and Andy couldn't sleep. Andy was in fifth and sixth grade, and and suddenly he went from being able to sleep like most kids to sleep just leaving his life and it was mostly because he was worried about school, and he was having trouble at school. And he would spend the nights uh, thinking about what was going to happen the next day, and if he could figure out a way to behave and and stay in line so he wouldn't get in trouble. And then he would worry about being tired, and and you know, then he would worry about the whole. Well, if I'm thinking about falling asleep, how, how am I ever going to fall asleep? And and it would go on and and on and on and on and on. And Andy's parents and the other teachers and and all the other adults in his life, they started to notice. I said, you know, why can't you sleep? I said, I I don't know. Uh, Well, why don't you try thinking of something nice? And that didn't work. And I said, well, why don't you try drinking some warm milk? And that didn't work. And he said, well, you know, try breathing. If you try to focus on your breath instead of worrying about school, you'll be able to sleep. And none of these things helped. They just... Uh, made Andy feel more alone. Like I guess I have to deal with this somehow, own. I guess nobody gets it. And it was lonely. And and I'm sure if you're here, you can identify with that, or someone in your life can. And it was isolating. I, Andy shared a room with his brother, just feet away, but it it still felt like uh, it just just this lonely plane, this endless plane to walk at night. And uh, it really wore Andy down. And then he was at recess, and he was playing on the the domed. They used to have these these domes. Now they're made of rope. I think back then they were made of metal, and uh, you could climb on them. And his classmates said, uh, What's, you know, you can't sleep. Uh, you know what my older brother does? He listens to this comedy radio show on Sunday nights, called Dr. Demento. And we've got a Dr. Demento fan here. And uh it, 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 Andy tuned in. And it was on Sunday nights from 9 to 11. And when you're in fifth grade and you're staying up from 9 to 11, it feels dangerous and rebellious. And even though this was on radio, there was something that felt illicit in this comedy and these parody songs and Weird Al and people singing about fish heads, roly-poly fish heads. And Andy would sit there, and he felt like he was a part of something. And he felt like someone was there, sitting there with him, like a friend. And he never fell asleep. Uh But he he felt good. He wasn't worrying about school. And this show swept him away for a few hours. And then Andy kind of decided to grow up. And at some point, he forgot about Dr. Demento. And he kind of started to take life seriously. And the sleeplessness came back, and it became a, you know, up and down road, uh, where uh, he was trying to find any other way he could fall asleep. And he forgot about Doctor Demento, and he forgot about Little Andy. Even he started to call himself Drew, and and he said, "Well, I'm a grown-up. I take life seriously. I'm a realist." And every once in a while, Andy would say, well, you know, what about, what about Dr. Demento? That was really fun, that, that part. Say, no, 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 Andy, we're, 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 we're trying to do life here. We're trying to be adults. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, let's do, we could do something fun. Like, no, no, no. And Drew would go back to his life and he, but he still felt like, what am I doing? Like, I, I I'm this little kid. I, I don't know how to be an adult and I, I'm still kind of, uh, in touch with that darkness, that, that pain from sleeplessness. And he was lost for a while and it wasn't so great either, but Andy kept trying. He said, come on, let's do, let's do something fun. We could do stuff. We could, there's possibilities. And Drew kept forgetting about it. And then one day, Drew had a daughter and things started to change. He started to his daughter was not a great sleeper, as most children tend to be. And so he would have to sit on this yoga ball with his daughter, and he would bounce her up and down, and he would sing her songs and tell her stories and goof around. And there was something about it that, that made him feel safe, too, with his daughter there in his arms, and then he kind of went back around to screwing around and 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 trying to pretend to be a grown up. But then one day he walked by himself in the mirror and looking back at him was this tired, haggard person, and he's that was like, What are you doing? And there was just something about that eye contact in the mirror, and it triggered these thoughts about, geez, I'm trying to raise this daughter. And I'm trying to raise her to be strong and that she could do whatever she wants to do and to empower her to make her own choices. But when she turns like 16 or she turns 18, she's going to be like, what what were you giving me all that crappy advice for? Like, you don't believe it. Like, why were you telling me to try when you never did? And there was something about it, even though it wasn't real and even though it was only imaginary, that shook me. Uh, and I started to think about it. Well, what, what, what is it? What am I going to regret? Is it, uh, not being seriousness? Like, is it not taking adulthood serious? Is it not, uh, being grown up enough or is it something else? And, uh, I did start to change and I thought about little Andy and my daughter and how I would treat them and, and, uh. I finally started to listen and said, Hey, we, let's, well, not at first. And he said, well, what about, uh, we're, we're putting a, your daughter to sleep. What if we could put adults to sleep? He said, no, no, that's embarrassing. you said, wait, tell me more. Well, we could tell bedtime stories for grownups. Well, no, no, that would be, that we, no, we can't possibly do that. Oh, no, no, it'd be, we could just tell goofy stories. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I don't think so. And this went on for a couple of years. And at some point, I, I uh, had this project that just didn't work out, a, a creative project, and I had time set aside for it. And I said, Andy, what about that idea you had about the the bedtime story podcast? And he said, yeah, yeah, I think we could do it. We should start making it. We should start putting it out, and we'll start putting people to sleep. Just like when Dr. Demento was there for us, when we felt all alone, It felt like Dr. Demento was there, sitting at our side, uh, just there to keep us company, just there to make us laugh, just there to be our friend. And there was a community of other people listening in at the same time. We didn't know them, but they were listening into the story, too. And I started making this podcast, and I started to realize that I'm not the only one uh, that can't sleep, that I'm not alone. And that it feels really lonely and that it, uh, it it feels really isolating because it is, but that it's not this all encompassing loneliness, that it's not, uh, this permanent state. It's, it's just like, that's how the night can feel. And that, uh, when someone sits there with you, like, and says, Hey, you can't sleep. That must really suck. Uh, let me sit here and let me keep you company. Let me take your mind off of stuff. Uh, that's a lot different than when the adult said, well, just drink some milk. Like, what's wrong? What do you mean you can't sleep? There must be something wrong with the way you think or the way you're dealing with it. Uh, no, it sucks. And sometimes we just want someone to be there. Sometimes we just want someone to distract us. And that's kind of what I've tried to do with the podcast is, uh, to, uh, to, to, to do that. And, And uh, the way I do it is I send my voice across the deep, dark night, the lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, the pointless meanders, the superfluous tangents. And in a weird way, what I've learned by making the show is that uh, you can go back and you can revisit things and you can uh, take a look at the past and you can revisit it with the softness. And uh it, it got me thinking like about one thing is uh that's hard for me, even as an adult now, is my hair. Like like I don't know how many people regularly listen to podcasts, but I, I don't have human hair. Like I was born with uh something and you can see it, I've let it grow out just for just for tonight, just for this show. But I have uh something more akin to fur. I have no natural parts and uh my dad always said, well, you have animal fur. You don't have hair. And at first, when I was a little kid, I had a bowl cut, which uh, which I think was the easiest way to cut kids' hair at the time. But my hair is, like, so straight and so thin that it would just fall down, and they would just cut, cut it along my bangs and then cut it along the back of my head. And... uh it, for for a kid in grammar school, that's not too bad. But uh, once once you get into the prepubescent ages, uh a haircuts become a different story. And, and so as I started to hit puberty, I started to be like, well, what the hell am I going to do about this hair? And I, I embarked on a lot of experiments. I tried to force parts on the left and the right. I tried to force the middle parts. I tried different, like, uh, shaving my head. I tried to... It was a failed experiment at greasing my hair. Uh, what, what was some other, um, at one point, uh, a couple of my classmates were like, you can't, you gotta stop with the grease. Like, it's too much. It, so I tried all these different haircuts and, and nothing ever worked. And I remember a group of my friends and I, we would go to this barber, Frank the Barber, and Frank would cut everybody's hair. And most of my friends had pretty good hair. Most of my siblings had pretty good hair. So for me, it was always, like, this tense situation. I would go in to get the haircut, and I'd be like... You know when people say what is the definition of insanity or whatever is, like, repeating the same thing and expecting different results? Like, I had a haircut insanity. Because every time I would go in, I'd be like, okay, if I just... if if This is going to be the time that Frank gets it right. This is going to be the one where he he... Like, I really finally get a good haircut. And it would never happen. And Frank was actually... Like a very, uh, demonstrative barber. He would, he would be yelling and he, he, he had this, uh, he had very curly hair, which this was the eighties. And, and I mean, that was, I guess it was an acceptable hairstyle back then. And, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was natural or perm, but, but he, uh, he would be yelling about my cow licks and he'd be talking about how my hair was impossible. And then one time i don't know if i was in like seventh or eighth grade it might it might have even been in high school uh frank he trying to tried to take this fatherly role with me and he was cutting my hair and he you know most of the time it was like a shared delusion he would pretend to to try to cut my hair and i would be like huh yeah yeah like look in the mirror and i would try not to and then i'd be like oh great this is a great job and then I'd just get home. I'd be like, okay, oh, well, maybe next time. And I would fantasize about having this rocking haircut. Uh, but this time, something changed in Frank. And he said, uh, he, he said he got close to me, and he said, uh, you know what I think we should do? I think you should grow your hair out, and I think we should give you a perm. And, and I, I was like, wait, wait what? And he, he was like, yeah, yeah. He goes. This will get rid of all this straightness. He was. He hated the, how straight my hair was. He hate. Like I said, he hated the cowlicks because he'd be cutting it and they'd be sticking up even as he was doing it. And he said. And he must have known from the look in my face that I was like, this. Even I know this is a bad idea. But he said, no, no, no. It'll only be curly for a little while, and then it'll. The curls will die down. And he goes. And you'll have a nice wavy head of hair. And I sat there. And I could tell he was being genuine, like that he wanted to help, that he wanted to, to give me this hair like his, I guess. And, and he seemed like a confident guy. He seemed pretty happy. He was always smiling. And, uh, he, he you know, he, he was, it was his shop. And I said, okay, let me think about it and, and go home. And, and I was like, what is, what is this a good idea? I mean, he's an adult. I'm, a, I'm a kid. I, I mean, is this some sort of hope he's giving me? And then this little part of my brain like tapped me on the shoulder. And was like, dude, like, look at his hair and then imagine it on you. Like, is it doesn't work. Like, there's no way you could do it. Like, you're not, you know, you're not tight and curly like him. You're It's just not a thing. And I said, okay, okay. But it was like a day. I said, okay, the next time I went, I said, no, Frank, do I don't want a perm? I don't want to talk about it. And he said, okay, it's your mistake. In I think, like, when you when you watch a lot of movies or you read a lot of science fiction, things talk about, like, when universes, that there's an endless amount of universes, and when we make choices, you know, that there's another parallel universe where the other choice is taking place. And this has just been this thing running it. I said, what if I had said yes? Like, what would my life have been like if I had said, yes, Frank, give me a perm? I want a perm, and, and by the way, perm has kind of fallen out of parlance. Uh, like, uh, this was actually the, the, at CVS, perm kits are going very well. This is a perm kit but for permanent. I, I think that's what it stands for. Uh, precisely right by Ogilvy. A, and this one says it has uh, new smell, new fresh scent. And anyone that's parent ever got a perm, you can still smell the perm smell through the box. Uh, but so, but I, I always wondered. I said, "Would well, Frank? What if I had said yes to Frank? What if I had said yes to getting this perm? Uh, would my life have turned out differently?" And so, like, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I got obsessed about it, and I started driving by particle accelerators, and I started going on the internet into you know the deep web, and I was looking up, you know, is it like magic? People that actually believe in man I said I started to contact these people and I started to tell them, I said, Well I wanna I I need to go back, I need to try to figure this out. Like uh I need I, I wanna see if I could get back to this alternative reality and see what my life would be like with a perm. And most of the theoretical physicists were like, "This is a terrible idea. Like, don't you do you understand anything about physics or something?" And I said, "No, no, I understand. Like, I'm trying to figure out what my life would be like." And they said, "Well, why don't you just get a perm now?" And I said, "You don't understand. The damage is already done. Like, like I want to get back to before." And they said, "It's a bad idea. Even if it was possible, we don't recommend it." And then I went and uh and met with like women stirring. You know, I have nude and things. And I said, what about, you know, what do you think? You know, let's look in this cauldron and see. And they said, no, 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 it it pretends bad things. Like, don't do it. And I stuck my head in the cauldron. Then I stuck my head in a particle accelerator. And then I lied in bed one day and I started to think and I started to just, I, I said, let's go take this one step. Like, where would I start with this? life with a perm like if I could kick it off would I kick it off at 16 like where would I start and when you think about the power of this podcast the power of healing I said well maybe I should go back and I should heal something and so I thought about the first time I really had trouble at school uh was in first grade and my teacher was sister iron and this one day sister iron had us uh making our own flashcards uh, with uh, one of those things, like the cards and, and glue, and we were cutting things out. And, you know, I, 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 like, at that school was known as Mr. Messy because I was so messy. So already I was having trouble with the glue and gluing the pictures on the flashcards. And we were doing a stack of them. And then we were supposed to put them in these plastic sandwich bags. And I don't know what I was doing, but I was sitting there and I was putting the the cards in order, and then I was putting them in this sandwich bag, and something came over me. And I I guess as a kid I watched, like, way too many cartoons. So I was, like, thinking of cartoons and when people blow things up and they keep blowing and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I, I, I was overcome with this childhood curiosity. So I started blowing up the plastic sandwich bag and blowing it and blowing it, And then I guess I just, and this is with the cards in there, and I smash the bag. And just like most of my bad choices, it's always like this one in a million thing. So it must have been like a perfectly defective bag and a perfect blow of all time because the bag explodes like a sonic boom, and the cards like fly all over this first grade classroom. And Sister Iron, she got the shock of her life, and she, she like gasps. And then she flies into like a a, a fever feverish uh, uh, berating of me, and she's just she's just very very upset, and she's like telling me blah blah blah, you know, just use your your non sleepy imagination. But and she's going off, and, and it's way out of proportion. And in front of the whole class, she says, "Your punishment is going to be to put the bag back together," and and, and I was like like the bag was like in tatters and then i'm like in tears and 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 uh, and it was this whole thing and uh so i was lying there in bed and i was thinking about these i was like what do these theoretic- theoretical physicists know anyway like i i need to go like if i could go back there like if i could be in that moment with a permanent haircut like with the sperm like what would my life be like And I started to think about, I mean, I was hoping that all the other stuff I did like had set me off and I started to sink in and I started to kind of let the power of the podcast, the power of the cauldron, the power of the particle accelerators carry me into that classroom. And there I was back there again. And I was sitting there, you know, putting the, putting the cards together, gluing them, cutting them off, uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. like, hey, hey, Sus, yeah, see my cards? I'm doing pretty good here, huh? Like, yeah, I've got it. I'm making a little cartoon here in the corner, on the uh, right corner here. And, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got them all in order. And actually, like, I, I'm working on a new, or- oh, we better be quiet because sister's talking right now. She's talking about putting it, and I said, I'm so distracted, but I just want to touch, and I, I felt my head and I had this giant locks of, very, very curly hair, and it felt good, and I was sh- stroking the curls, and uh, I said, man, this, uh... and then I started to look at the plastic bag, and, and I said, oh, I wonder, what, like, uh, I said, sorry, Sue, I'm getting distracted here, and uh, I, 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 something's coming over me, and I grabbed the bag, and, and I blew it up, and I popped it, and... Just like in the other memory, sister started yelling and yelling, and I was and I said, "Oh, just sister's," and then I reached up, and I stuck my finger in one of the curls and I twirled it, and I I, I felt a little calmer. I said, "Wow, sister's are very upset. She's really, really," and I said, "Excuse me, sister. Uh, you, you seem to be yelling uh, very loudly." Uh, Yeah, I know I popped that. Okay, you're still... Sister, how many cups of coffee did you have today? Okay, that made made you more angry. No, I was just trying to distract you, sister, like, so you could calm down. I shouldn't tell you to calm down? No, no, sister, I mean, I realized I popped the bag, and that was a, a, a poor choice. It was a poor choice I made. I was just curious, and I popped the bag. I didn't know it would be such a distraction. I didn't realize it would make such a... A, a, a loud popping noise so i'm sorry about that sister but it's not okay to yell at me like this right now and i'm i think you're you, you might be uh frightening the other kids in class sister uh, why don't you sister why don't you take a, a, a don't tell you to sit down okay sister um class why don't why does everybody else put their heads down and take a breath uh uh sister uh I, I'm I'm just a first grader here and I'm just telling you I accidentally popped this bag and it was a mistake and I actually sister, I'm willing to accept the consequences for my so the consequences would be to put the bag back together. Okay, sister. Uh let me you want me to reassemble a plastic bag with scot like scotch tape? Okay. Well sister, just let me if you don't mind if I put a whole couple holes in your argument, but uh, taking the tape to reassemble a plastic bag has a couple of possible downsides. One, if I did a really good job, the inside of the bag would be sticky and it would ruin my flashcards. And if I did a bad job, the outside of the bag would be sticky and r- r- stick to everything else at my desk. Also, sister, I don't know if you've been tracking me at this school, but as soon as I'm done with these flashcards, they're either going to go in my desk or my backpack and they're going to be covered in milk or candy, or juice within the next, like, 25 minutes. So I don't think the ba- the bag's not going to help anyway. Also, I don't know if this is a cost-efficiency issue, but the bag, the scotch tape costs more than plastic bag. Okay. Yeah, you know, sister, I, I don't know if you're trying to, I, I realize maybe you're trying to make an example of me, and I'm trying to make an example here. It's just, sister, okay, sister's going to sit down and look out the window. That's a good idea, sister. Okay, class, um... Uh that was pretty intense, huh? uh, so, uh class, I'm sorry I popped that bag. it was uh something came over me and made a pretty loud noise. I don't know, did it frighten anybody? Oh Willie, if oh no, you were looking at the birds. Okay. Did it, yeah, it was a bad idea and I, and I and I as I said a sister, it was wrong. It really uh, interrupted class time. And now we're just gonna wait for recess here. Everybody put your heads on your desk. And we just washed our desks this morning so they have that clean school desk smell. So go ahead and smell your desk and breathe it in. There's that, that, that nice humidity of uh, your face on the desk. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Okay. And, uh, and so I guess that would be like one of the memories I would go back and fix. But then I started thinking about this idea from the physicists of butterfly wings. And I started to realize that I was, I was caught in this memory, and so the next thing I knew, I was sitting out on, outside at a recess, and I was sitting there, and I was, I was actually like, you know, puffing my curls, like recovering. I said, "Man, this feels that was intense." With the sister yelling, "Holy mackerel!" And then some of my classmates started to come over. I said, "Hey guys, what, yeah, I'm just sitting on the yeah, I'm just puffing my curls. That was pretty rough. Sister was screaming." And, uh, sorry about that. I should, I guess I triggered her, but it's not okay for her to yell at us like that. Right. It's not right. Well, you're glad I, well, you're glad I t- stood up to her. Oh, Hey, what's up? What are you in kindergarten? You know, the kindergarteners. that teacher is the best. Oh, she's not the best. You know, Do you want me to talk to your teacher? Uh, and you're in third grade. Your teacher yelled at you. Okay well, there's a lot of yelling going on at this school. It's like, uh, okay, no, no, I just told the teacher, I said, it's not acceptable. You just, it's, I, I think it's called assertiveness. I don't know. I'm just a first grader. What do I know? Like, uh, but you just say, well, there's also how to apologize. That's important too. You just, uh, oh, you, you want me to do it. What are you, in for- are, do you, Do fourth graders, do you even have recess right now? What are you doing? Oh, uh. No, you heard about what I did. No, no, no. I didn't. All I said was, please stop yelling. Something like that. I don't know. I was, it was a mo, oh, hold on. Let me. Yeah. Well, I touched my hair and it just calmed me down. I think it's like, I think they might call that self-soothing or something or, but I've never experienced it till today. It was good. Um, sixth graders. What are you doing out here? You're not, wait, wait. Is this the whole school out here? What, what are you guys doing? You heard about, you heard I'm ending school? No, 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 I'm not ending school. I just said, Sister Iron, it's not okay to scream at kids. Right. No, 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 not not right, like we're going to go back, we're never going to go back to school. No, 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 I didn't. How did you get those signs that say that? What do you, no, no, please don't turn over the trash cans. Please don't use the trash cans as drums. No, no, we've got to go back to school. It's just a matter of, it's just maintaining our boundaries. I can teach you guys this. Right now, today, when we don't go back to school ever again, no, no, okay, oh boy, uh, this could be the butterfly wings. Uh, and then these, so then this, all these kids were gathered in in, in the playground, and I, they said, what are we going to do next? And we're never going back to school. And I said, well, we should probably go back to school at some point. And they, they, they said, well, it's March, and I, they said, where are we going to march? And I said, well, like the closest place I know about is Burger King. So I said, we're marching on Burger King. So this entire grammar school, we start marching down the street, and the kids are chanting. And meanwhile, as we're marching out of the parking lot, all the teachers are looking in the window, and they're pointing at me. And I'm saying, and Sister Iron's there, and she still looks pretty mad. But, I mean, I touched my curls, and I said, okay, Oof. Yeah, okay, it's going to be okay. So all of these kids, we march down to... uh the Burger King, and we go in, and the kids they take it over. We throw all the adults out, and uh, chase them out of the room, and uh, the kids just start, you know, making ice cream and, and eating things and playing games. And I guess this was like some pre-internet meme or something, because, it, and maybe this is the power of the butterfly wings, because then kids started walking out of school across Syracuse, New York, where this took place, and going and taking over Burger Kings. And then within hours, it started to spread through the state. And then hours, by the end of the day, every K through 6th grade school was empty, and the kids were living in Burger Kings. And pretty quickly, obviously, they needed a scapegoat. So... The news and the police, they started showing up and they were demanding to speak with me. And I said, okay, okay, I'll talk to you. You you all seem pretty upset. Uh, is none of the kids are in school. Oh, and that was news to me. I said, oh, none of the kids in the entire country are in school. Okay. Well, I can see, I could see why you'd be upset. Like, and they just start yelling, and the Burger King franchisees were yelling. They said, "You call off your hordes. We need our businesses back. And I said, I didn't do anything. Like, I just, like, uh, I just told, it's just not okay to yell. And they kept yelling. And I said, you're not, you know what? You're not listening to me we're just trying i was just trying to tell sister iron it's not okay to yell at children and now you're yelling at me too this isn't okay oh, blah, blah, blah. and there's like you know political people authority figures we'll just put it in that broad scope and i said you know what we're done talking and we went back in the burger king we closed the door and and for all the things people say about kids this was a pretty civil version of anarchy like a lot of stomach aches from overconsumption of ice cream and uh, soda, but once that got tapped out, it, it was like uh, the kids were taking the older kids were taking care of the younger kids. It wasn't the most healthiest of environment. And then every couple hours, the adults would come and they would and then they would come by with a group of parents and they would call me out and the parents would say, "What about little Billy? Bring him home." And I'd say, "Billy's fine." Like 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 we and they say, "What are your demands?" And I, I say I don't know, like like, and I'd ask the kids, and they would, and it, it, it quickly uh, was like a, no one could communicate. I mean, I, I was only a first grade. I was like, how am I supposed to? And then I touch my curls. I say, okay, it's going to be okay. Let's just let's just see this through. Let's just see it through. And then they said, you know what? We're calling in the National Guard. We're going to take all these kids out of uh, the, the, the Burger Kings. And I said. The kindergarten, you're going to take kindergartners out of Burger King's for taking, and, and fifth, fourth, fifth, you know, little kids. I said, come on, let's work this out. He said, please just find a neutral party and we could, I could talk to the neutral party and we could find a way to, to make this right. Like, we, we, this doesn't need to be such, such a drama. And they said, what do you mean? You pulled all these kids out of school and you took over the burger gig. And they started calling us the children of the corn, which was a movie at the time, like where you, there was children uh, and they were up to no good. And I said, we're not children of the corn. We're, ju- we're just upset kids. We're just trying. This is a healthy expression of our boundaries. Like, uh, this is don't, don't you want us to be assertive when we grow up? They said, no. So. I said, all right, once you have a neutral party, I'll, I'll meet you, meet with you on behalf of everybody. And finally, you know, after a couple of days, they uh, relented. And things were still pretty, going pretty good at the Burger Kings. You know, we were eating. I, I was trying to get the kids to eat, you know, tomato slices and, and lettuce slices and just eggs without all the other crap. But... um They said, okay, we have a neutral party for you to meet with to to resolve this situation. So we're we're going to call you in. And so I went and they had this RV set up outside of the Burger King. And this was like back when the Burger Kings had like um, greenhouses on the front of it. I don't don't know what purpose they served, but all the kids' vases were pressed against the greenhouses. I went outside and I got in this RV And I said, okay. And they said, well, there's a conference room in there. Just go in there, and and you can uh, wait uh, for the neutral party to to meet with them. So I sat down, and then you know, did some curl twirls, some curl bumps. And I said, okay, okay. This is gonna we're gonna work this out. All the kids will go home. I'll probably get in trouble, but it'll be okay. It's gonna be okay. And then into the room walks Sister Iron. And one thing I didn't mention about Sisterian is this was back in the eighties. She had the transition, uh, sun, like, uh, glasses. And this was like version 1.0. So she came in from the outside in her sunglasses. Her glasses were still in sunglass mode, which I found always found very intimidating when teachers had that. I don't know why. So I was already on intimidation mode, but then she sat down across from me and I said, leave us alone. We'll, we'll figure this out. And I said, Sister, I'm sorry, again, like, uh, I don't know. And she said, You know what, I'm sorry. Like, she goes, I lost my temper. She goes, I have other stuff going on. And she goes, I really went off on you. And I go, You know what, I shouldn't have popped the bag. And she goes, Well, you know what, I shouldn't have yelled at you uh, because you're a kid. And I said, Well, thank you, sister. Like, I think I can work, work something out. And she goes, But there's something strange about this. And I said, "What do you mean, sister?" And she said, "Well, after I started looking out the window, I started replaying everything that was happening over and over again." And she goes, uh, "The way you were talking to me, and uh, the words you were using, the way you were standing up to me," she goes, "She goes, it was like I had déjà vu." She goes, "It was like," she goes, "Children don't talk like that. There's just something off." And I said, no, no sister i said i just i'm just trying to help you you know with a, it's a little interpersonal manage i go, i'm not an expert i'm I'm just a kid sister i'm just just didn't want to be yelled at, I guess, and she goes, no, it was it's something else, and she goes, You know what kind of child is allowed to chemically alter their hair at first grade and i said i i just i said, i don't know sister and she she said she goes, that's what it is she goes, there's something in your hair. She goes, something ominous. And she goes, she started, you know, just like a sister. She said, she, you know, she started saying, oh, demonata, oh de, and I said, I said, sister, I'm not evil. Like, like this, I, I was just standing up to you. And then she started yelling, like she, like she said, oh, this is a. She goes, I, and and you know, quoting. Quoting stuff that wasn't even accurate. I said, Sister, you're taking that out of context, you know. Uh, anyway, but so I left. I said, You know, what? I'm not going to be treated like this. My hair and my eye are not evil. And my hair is very calming. And I can even gently wave it and rub it like this. And I went back to the Burger King. And uh, I was like, We're in, I, I mean, the kids could see it on my face, I think. I said, We're in a bit of a pickle. I, I kept that to myself. And I was like, how how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do? And I said, okay, everybody, I said, why don't we talk about going home? Like, what do you guys think about it? They said, no, we're never going back to school. Uh, and they'd shot curls, 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 curls. And then they were like, we want to be like you. And they, they'd they sent out other kids. And I guess this had gone on citywide, and they had uh, burgled uh, home perm kits from stores everywhere off all of the shelves, especially the CVS and Alameda, because they only had one in stock. It could be still going on. But so they had all these perm kits and they said, we want to. And I said, no, I said, you cannot give yourselves perms like this. Like this is going to be I'll definitely be in trouble. And uh, they said, but and I said, OK, if you wait to do the perms and you think about going home, Uh, like I said, everybody can get a perm that listens to me and stays calm and doesn't do anything rash and doesn't get themselves a perm. Like, why try to figure this out? I promise. And they said, okay, okay. And so then I said, I got to go for a walk and I got to figure out what to do because, uh, so I walked around and I was, I was like, man, how am I going to fix this? and uh, i mean every time i got down i just okay whew, feels good and I'd twang if you if you i've never had it, it felt good to finally be able to twang a curl and it say oh yeah and and then i was walking not that far from the burger king and i heard this crying it was a man's crying like a weeping and i went over and there was this guy kind of sitting there and I said, sir, are you okay? And he said, oh, no, no, everything's gone. It's, it's all gone. It's, it's terrible. And I said, well, what's the matter, sir? Sir, let me help you. Uh, he said, oh, there's nothing, nothing you could do to help me. And I said, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I said, here, come here, like, uh, stand up. Let's go sit on this bench here and, and we'll sit. And then there, I looked at him and it, and there was something off about him, like, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And I said, uh, "Yes, sir. He was like, tell me, tell me what's happening." He said, I have, I have, he goes, I've lost everything." He goes, "My business, my friends, my reputation." And I said, "Oh no!" And then I know. Then I figured I was wrong. Is that he had a he was like a fifty five year old guy and he had a, a bowl cut, and it di- it didn't look right on him. It was like this thin, limp hair. Like just flat against his head, and I said, "Man, I've never—no offense, but I've never seen a worse haircut on on, on somebody in my whole life." And he was like, D- "Have you looked in the mirror?" He goes, "You got a perm and, perm." And I said, I, I "Actually, I haven't looked in the mirror." And then I said, "But if, I don't care." Like I, I rubbed my curls again, and uh, I said, "Well, I'm I'm Andy. We're like, who, who who are you?" And he said, "I'm Frank." And I said, "No, God, no." And I said, Frank the barber. And he said, Frank the barber. And I said, what what, what are you doing here? What happened? And he said, uh, he goes, I don't know. He said, I had this successful business. Everything was going good. And I felt like my life was in order. And he said, one day I was cutting this woman's hair. And it it wasn't going well. And uh, when I showed it to her, she said, she started yelling at me. And she said, you're going to put every piece of hair back on my head right the way it was. And, and, and she, she insisted that I glue the hair back on her head. And, and he goes, and I was crying and whimpering as she's berating me in front of all of the other customers. And, and she's just yelling. And I said, Frank, that sounds terrible. I, I said, was this a, was this a nun? And he goes, yes. I said, okay, that makes sense. Like, uh, and I said, uh, we, we, don't you have like a bad haircut speech ready to go forever? I go, I've heard it before. Oh, don't worry. He goes, yeah, yeah. Oh, just get home. Give it a couple of days. Look at it in the mirror. It's going to grow back. It'll be look great in a two. And I said, why didn't you tell her your bad haircut speech? And he goes, I don't know. He goes, he goes, I used to feel like I could stand up for myself, but there was just something. And he goes, my, and I go, it's weird because usually your spirit gets broken at when you're a kid, not when you're 55. And he goes, but that's it. He goes, that's it. He goes, my partners left me. My customers refused to get their hair cut with me ever again. And he goes, and this has just happened in the past three days. And I said, yeah, believe me. I believe it. And then he put his head on my shoulder, and he kept crying. And I said, poor Frank. And uh, then I, you know, I touched it, and pushed the curls. And I thought about it, and I said, oh, boy. This is like one of these, again, where the universe is part kind of thing. And I, and I said, well, hmm. I said, listen, Frank, it's been good seeing you. It sounds like you've had a rough time, but I got a Burger King full of kids to get through, get get these kids back home. And he go, and then he says, it just seems like this isn't the way things should be. And it got me, and I said, oh, man. And I said, come on, Frank. And I picked him up, and we went back into Burger King. And the kids were, like, looking at him, like, what's with this bowl cut? And I said, don't look too hard, you know. It's his hair. It's his natural hair. Maybe he was born with fur. And uh we got Frank, and we laid him under the ice cream machine. And I said, give him 20 cc's of vanilla stat. And we poured ice cream in his mouth. And the kids danced around Frank. And then I had some ice cream. And uh meanwhile, I looked up, and all the kids had not listened to me. And given one another perms. So the entire Burger King is like full of kids running around in perms. And some of their perms had turned green because they jumped in swimming pools somewhere. Like there's a legend that if you get in a pool after perming your hair, it'll turn green. And this turns out it's true. And so I was like, oh, boy, I'm going to be in even more trouble. And uh, I I was like, okay, there's got to be some way to fix this. And I said, all right, kids, gather around. And I said, you you guys, we got to, and then I couldn't, I was looking at this, I couldn't, but it couldn't keep my straight. I was like, every time I looked at this room full of kids with perms, I was just stunned. It was not a good look. Uh But it was also very fun. I said, you guys, it's like a, the cast of Annie or something. But I said, okay, guys, you get, we all have to go home. And, you know, Frank here, he's been through a lot. You've all been through a block. Your parents miss you, and I'm sure there's some part of you that misses your parents or wherever you call home, something that you miss. Maybe it's a blanket. Maybe it's your bed. Maybe it's a, a stuffed animal. Maybe it's a radio you listen to. And it, I want you to go home. I want you to think about this thing you miss and think about going back home and enjoying it in that uh your family will be there, uh, and they'll be glad to see you. And, you know, we we do have to go to school. It sucks. It does. Uh, but I, I want you all to remember what it feels like. Everybody go ahead and run your hand through your curls. Uh, some of you did a pretty terrible job on your perms, by the way, but run your hands through it. Because when I think about curls, I think about potential energy. I think about it being wound up and ready to sprung or something and i don't know i, I didn't study physics kids but to feel the feel the buoyancy feel it lifting you and i want you to remember that i want you to remember that even when you don't have curls the potential energy is still there it's spiraling in your heads and it's there to comfort you and, and when you need to have some comfort if a teacher, and you could say, you know what, it's not okay to yell at me. And if you need that extra reassurance, I just want you to touch your curls. And they might not be there, but they will be. And meanwhile, Frank's crying next to me, and uh, the kids were kind of like, okay. And I, I think a lot of them wanted to go home, and they started to talk about the things they missed. And then I said, okay, kids, like, uh you're going to have to avert your eyes. In. I said, Frank, are you ready? And he said, for what? And then I touched our hairs together, and Frank started to spiral. And there was like this bright, flashing, powerful light. And he started to spin inside my curls. And, you know, the universe started to spin. There was probably, I don't know if there was thunder and lightning. uh, And Frank started to float away, and I started to float away. And, you know, just like in 80s movies, our hairs were returned to our heads and we were returned to our proper places. And I was returned to my bed there and I was lying there and I reached up and I touched my fur and I said, OK, at least I don't have a bowl cut right now. I have fur, but I could feel the, the power of the curls there and I could feel it reassuring me and I did feel something move. I did feel the butterfly wings, uh, from the past that, uh, while, you know, in one universe, I totally created anarchy and, and mayhem. In mine, I said, wait a second. Yeah. If I can remember it's okay to be want to be treated with dignity and respect, that I deserve it. And then I'm just a first grader uh i'll be okay and uh then i went I, I ended up I was back at school the next day and i was out there on the playground sitting there touching my fur imagining it was curls i was pretending it was slinkies actually and i was pretending my curls were and the kids were like what are you doing and i said well it's, i'm pretending my curls are slinkies and they said you don't have curls quit being weird. And I said, well, it's okay. You know what? I'm just enjoying myself. And then I looked up and Sister Iron walked out of the door and she was carrying a box with her things in it. And uh, she looked at me and she said, you know what? I'm sorry. I've decided I, I, I don't want to teach children anymore. And she walked off. And then not two minutes later, Frank, the barber walks out and he winks at me. And then he goes, bump, he does like this curl bump, bump, and then he strolls off like happy as a clam. And uh, I guess the moral of the story is, uh, well, one, perms are powerful things. That's why they're called per. That's why it's permanent, even though it's not actually permanent. Uh, And, you know, that sometimes you can go back and you could take a ponder and you could take a trip into another universe in you know you can't totally change things uh but but you you can make a little bit of a difference um and that's the end of the story but i've i found out the last live show that i should keep talking in a way to try to help people come back to earth that are sleeping or totally chilled out uh so i'm glad everybody came by tonight and then as i try to uh warm it back up uh I'll, uh, um, I can do a quick Q&A if anybody has any questions. But it, so to answer, I guess I'll try to raise my voice more and more. But so that story is not, but the Sister Iron is a real character in my life. Uh, so that if that, in case that question comes up. Um, and then if anybody wants a version of this show as people start to wake up and return to the world, uh, you can email me or let me know on social media. Um, uh, my, wh- what's my email? Oh, you can just go to com and the contact page. Cause I think this should be all recorded. Uh, so I can email you a copy of the show, but thank you for coming. Um, and if anybody has any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Uh, cause we got a few minutes. Uh, Is everybody awake? <laughs> yes? So what made you get started and actually get it out there? Um, the, w- w- like, what made me get started was kind of like, um, I'd had the idea for a long time, and I kept saying, no, no, like, it's not going to work, and it's a bad idea. And it was really a matter of, like, like at some point I started to think, assess my life and i said what is going to be my greatest regret and when i had this honest discussion with myself i was like my uh, like my greatest regret that i couldn't live with would be never trying like a lot of things um and this just happened to be the one that uh, when i made that realization was not that far where i was like oh wait a second like i keep shooting this idea down like why don't i try and and it was also on the tails of like I had another creative project that totally blew up. And when that blew up, that part of me, that little kid part of me, was like, hey, let's make that podcast. And I was like, okay, let's just do it. Like, So it was like not overthinking it, too. Um, of your stories are how much is your your um, It kind of depends, like... Like, uh so this one's kind of from memory. Like, I have the script in case uh it was, like, depending on how nervous I was. Like, it's like a security blanket. Um, but, like, uh, with the podcast, like, some shows are 100% extemporaneous. And then, like, usually 33% are like that. And they might be personal essays like this or a twist on a personal essay. So it, like, has enough personal connection and memory to it that it gives me, like, more room to—so it just gives it some bones to to go off on tangents about. Uh, Yeah, but, like, 66% of what I make is, like, written or, like, based on notes, and then 33% is probably just made up on the spot. Yeah, I think it was like, um, when I, when I first started, it sounded a lot different, like, cause I was really nervous and I was like, I had performance anxiety. So, like, I think I was like overcompensating. But with podcasts, like, since you edit them, like, I had to listen so many times, like, like when I was editing it that I was like, oh, I like this or I don't like that. But, it, like, I think, As I've gotten to the point, I was just telling this to somebody else that makes a sleep podcast. We did this like crossover episode and he's like whispers to his audience. And so we did this like fun coaching session where I was like coaching him to do my style. And then and I was like, it's not really about it's like about it's a weird mind body thing. Like it's like if my intention is to be there like sitting close to your bedside within whatever safe boundaries like in telling a story like that that intention like the voice comes out of that of like hey i know you can't sleep and i'm just here to tell you a story like i think in some weird way it, that's like the pathway that's been burned in my mind too um so yeah it could just kind of experimentation and then like and then early on people telling me stuff that didn't work like people be like I used to sing for a while, like, every once in a while i just, like, bust into a song in the middle of it, and people were like, that wakes me up, or, like, if you do this, it wakes me up, and then I'd be like, oh, okay, so then I just, like, would fold that into the show. What was, what was the hardest part when you started out, I and mean, what's, what's the hardest part now? Um... I guess like this, in a weird way, it's a, like, and this is only for me. I don't think this might be for everybody, but I've always found, for me, the biggest obstacle, and this isn't in a negative way, is myself, like, or my thinking, like, my negative thinking. Um, so when I first started out, I think it was like, it was actually, like, I, I was like, I'm going to make this show for two years, no matter what. Like, that was like my goal. And that was actually like really worked well um but it was just like managing the expectations like is this going to work out is anybody listening does it put anybody to sleep does anybody care uh but it was really just about i think it's still the same it's like managing my internal critic of like this is like oh this isn't working or oh like 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 take that just wants to keep me from doing it like, wants to keep me from being vulnerable and is like oh this isn't worth it or oh like you what you do you know, just like negative self-talk or whatever, um, is still like, where I have to be like, you know what, it is worth it. Like, this is what I want to do or look at it. It's helping people. Like, uh, why wouldn't I do it? Like, so, uh, yeah. Does that answer that question? Any, uh, Um, I forgot about this one. Like this one came out like 183. Um, and that's why I did it. I was like, Oh man. But I think my favorite, like for me, when an episode's my favorite, it's like when I'm totally surprised. Like I sit down to record and I expect the recording to go one way or the story to go one way. And then I'm like shocked at how it turned out. So two of my favorites for that reason are Bird Bath. Which was like supposed to be a guided meditation about a bird bath, and then when I was recording it, it was like really top heavy, like I was like it, it, structurally it was like just a lot of filler at the top, but it was like good filler to put people to sleep. but I was like, how am I going to get to the how am, I, how am I gonna ever end this and I just kept trying to go back to the image of the bird in the bath, and then this story about, developed out of it, but I don't know where the story came from, like it was like, I don't know if this is collective unconscious or my imagination but the story like i was watching it and describing it and it got me to the end and then another one was um more recently um interview with jenny the username generator and and i like interviewed this username generator and she just the way she was like again i was like asking these questions and the answers were coming back and i'm like who the hell's answering these questions like what? And I'm like that's exactly what a username generator would say. Like like so but in an, so when I'm surprised and then like um I don't know some of the characters I love, like like I spend so much time with them so like nuns in space now is like I'm spending a lot of time with Stan uh or the girl that lived in the theme parks. So like when I spend like every week with characters, I like develop a relationship with them. So any of those like I just have like personal relationship might not be might not be the most healthy thing, but um Yeah, I I mean, the podcast is, like, still my main focus, and that is stuff I desire to do. Like, so, I would love, like, the live show is one part of it, and, like, maybe something written is another part of it. And then, yeah, like, something, like, some of the characters, like, Lady Witchbeard would be one example. Like, she was a character from a a series I did, like, a couple years ago, where it's, like, I feel like she's so powerful that I would love to see her exist in another medium, like animation or live action or something, and and like it goes back to like like uh, I guess for me it's like okay can I be patient or try to collaborate in small ways, um so it's definitely like on my wish list like for sure because it's like uh yeah it's like w- like I talked about the characters are being surprised it's like when I have a relationship with the characters and then they start making their own choices independent of me then i'm like whoa like uh you're really like your own part i mean in, in a fictional way like your own person and, and it's like yeah i would love to see them like through someone else's eyes like and like how they would uh, yeah uh, who's your muse or do you have one Is it your daughter um i mean i guess like I like, I'll tell my daughter, like, some stories, like, I'll, I'll, like, br- break them on her. Like, if they're like, uh, like, I did this live show, like, half of it, and she fell asleep. Um, and like, I'll test out other material on her. Uh my dog is another, uh, I mean, I spend a lot of time with her. So, Koa, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I think it's like, I, I hear so many people's stories of why they can't sleep, and, we live in this kind of time and culture where there's so much negativity and stuff. (laughs) And I get, I get, I'm on the other side of it. I mean, I hear, I hear all that stuff too, but like all these people share with me, I mean, people here, like even probably like why they can't sleep and their gratitude. And it's just humbling. And, and, And it's like, it's also like, it keeps it's it's like manner or whatever it's like man like uh like it's it's strange that to be in a non therapeutic relationship and, and that almost every listener understands that it's a non therapeutic relationship but that it's like a like a shared experience it's like oh i don't understand this particular situation you're in that i've never been in but i can totally relate to it in the pain and so that's another, I'd say that's probably my muse is like the relatability of uh, the freaking human condition or whatever, you know? Uh, no, it was like YouTube and internet for, like, uh, like all the, like forums and like Googling, like, I mean, literally, like, uh, why, do why is Audacity doing this? Like, and, uh, and then sometimes posting on like internet forums and being like, Hey, I can't figure this out. And it feels like the podcasting community, like there's two people from the podcasting community here, like is like very supportive and, and like, um, I mean, across the board, it's like, Oh, like everybody wants people to keep going and succeed and make new things and like, like lift up, like, a panel of voices, like to be like, oh wow, we want to hear your perspectives and stuff, yeah. I'm curious what um what your creative background is, like what led you like to to this eventually, like beyond the inside. Of it. Daydream. I'm a full time daydreamer. Like uh, I, that, I mean, like that's really like, I mean, I did like other writing. But not any uh, – nothing – like, I mean, I would write short stories when I was a kid. That was, like, the really only positive attention I got when I was a kid. Um, and then as an adult, like, doing that. And, and then once I got – once I kind of had that moment where I was, like, what the hell am I doing with my life trying to be this – like, I don't know what it means to be a grown-up or whatever. Like, I started just doing more writing um of like, oh, what is, it's very similar to the podcast of like, oh, what's this story or what is this, wh- why am I interested in this person and what would the story be there? Um, but uh, like, I think I had a big issue with following throughout projects like most people do. It's like, and, and self-criticism being like, oh, this isn't any good. Like, wh- wh- you know, just throw it away um, or overwrite like rewriting things to death. Um, and then this podcast just happened to happen at the right time, I think, and, and that I was, like, I think I was, like, resigned to be, like, you know, I'm just going to see this out for a long time instead of expecting it, instead of, like, waiting to see if it works, like, be, like, just make it for at least two years and and then decide, like, what, like, if I should keep making it. And then at two years, it was, like, so easy. Like, I was, like, okay, there's no, like, I'm going to keep making this. Like, uh, and now it's, like, oh, oh, right right on the edge of five years, 700 episodes. So, um, and it's like, all right, let me keep going. It seems like you were looking for a medium and an outlet and you found, like, all of a you came upon the form that, that worked for the way you created. Yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting. Like, I think, like, the telling of the bedtime stories and of podcasting and, like, aligns with just how my brain works and the nice thing about podcasts is because you're distributing it on the internet, like, uh, there's really no gatekeeper. And when you first start, you don't need it. Like if you were going to do it on a radio, it'd be like, well, how many people are going to listen or are, how, you know, how are we going to support this instead of just being like, I'm just going to do it and, and see. And that like, uh, I mean, cause there's literally podcasts about everything and, like if you if if there's like an interest like collecting stamps, there's probably like 150 podcasts about collecting stamps. So it's just cool because it's like oh, you could just make it and uh, and see how it goes, and then. Um, but I think for me, it was a good fit. You're right. Yeah. Oh wait, I, I have a secret message that I wore tonight, and it's actually if someone could take a picture because it's like a another podcasters. Sorry, I'm not getting naked, but this that was the more, real moral of the story. Stay strange this is from a podcast called the bright sessions uh which if you haven't listened it's like a audio drama podcast uh about um and it just concluded but it's uh it's a fictional podcast. I don't want to describe it too much, but it's a really, really good podcast. Yeah. Um, cool. Any other questions or thank you, thank you, everybody for coming out. Let me know if you want um, a version of the show and uh, keep in touch. Thank you. It stays strange.